Okay, welcome back. Good morning. Today is Thursday, July 14, almost the middle of July, and the next month is August, and that means Christmas is coming for the end of the year. And this is uh, uh, moving into 2023. <laughs> so, <coughs> <coughs> over the hump, over the uh, midpoint of 2022, time really is moving in a way that um, is sort of getting to be a little surreal for me personally in the sense of I don't know what day it is and uh, maybe some people have this experience of doing what I'm doing, just, just doing the daily round, doing the daily get up, do the things, do the other things, do some things that are new, do some things uh, that I have to do every day, and then time creeps flying, and it's afternoon, and do a little bit more, and it's evening, and bang, back to, back to sleep time. <clears throat> and um, it's strange. So, uh, if you have that experience, you're not alone, <clears throat> of a sort of... Uh, fugue, temporal fugue, a little strange dizziness almost, mental dizziness at the passage of time and the uh, sense of being uh, located at a particular point in time. The, the location um, is fuzzier than ever before. The, the temporal fixity, it's uh, temporal fluidity today. So, which sort of means um, um, be patient, <laughs> this too will pass. So, okay, we're continuing uh, the discussion of Webu Sayadaw's teaching, Anapanasati. A deeper dive into um, uh, Abhidhamma. Abhidhamma, Abhi, like Abhisheka. Uh, very close to Adi, Adi Chitta, Adi Panya, further, greater, deeper Dhamma, Abhi Dhamma, Adi Dhamma. Uh, <clears throat> the the specific qualities of mind that progress us on the path. So we're talking about green, blue, indigo, right? All the time I do. Well, lower triad blockages releasing as healing and balance. Know yourself, accept yourself. Uh, move to forgiveness, get beyond blame, get beyond false or mistaken core beliefs about self, rightly value yourself, rightly appreciate self, self, self. So we have to keep talking about self until we finish with it. So don't think that I'm reifying, but we have to talk about self until one gets to the point as Ross said in Sixth Density, where one goes to drop identity. But before that time, this one here <laughs> is you there. Uh, we need to take good care of ourselves. And so green, blue, indigo is nice, a way of saying uh, good and the true and the beautiful, <clears throat> and kusala uh, dhamma, or the qualities of mind, character, that lead to right speech, right behavior, right action, the basis of um, real morality, virtue, and generosity. Okay. But what the specifics of that is Abhidhamma. The specifics of that 
are presented in, discussed by, uh, endlessly um, analyzed in Abhidhamma teaching, like Buddha Gosha and some others, uh, very, very, very analytical. I mean, they're basically like spiritual psychologists, Buddha Gosha and their others. I, I don't know their names or I've gone over them. And uh, I would imagine that um, Weibo Sayada trained well and studied well Abhidhamma uh, before devoting himself um, massively to practice. <clears throat> and and that, that means analyzing the particular constituent uh, tendencies of mind, moral, moral philosophy, but a real uh, detailed analysis of what qualities of mind help and what don't, which qualities of mind are useful and which are not. And the useful is this, back to the word kusala, kusala, translated as wholesome or skillful or helpful or supportive, useful. Skillful means like, hey, it's a skill, yeah. And, I, I, you know, Tanisaro uses the translation, English word, skillful, commonly. So that's okay. It, it just sort of, it, 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 there is a skill in right mind, <laughs> or developing kusala dhamma, the dhammas, bodhipakya dhamma, 37 factors, knowing truth or the capacity to use will, to develop will, to direct the will, to develop what's useful, helpful, kusala, supportive of long-term welfare benefit. You can call it a skill. Um, <clears throat> but there's all, it's also an art. Or it's also uh, a, a sort of natural evolution where one slowly gets a feel for uh, what is true and good and beautiful. I mean, I mean, all the kusala dhamma are of the good and the true and the beautiful. They're of fourth and fifth and sixth chakra. They're of that which evolves. They're of love wisdom. They're of unity and accord with life purpose. They're of the resonance of higher self and soul and, and the fulfillment of life purpose. Uh, they're of the upward spiraling light all the qualities that we wish to inbuild and develop of mind. And that that development is a little bit um, less um, structured than the word skill would, would imply. The word skill, it's like I have a skill in carpentry or a skill in... Um, you know, a, a physical or mental uh, ability. It's not that detached, because you're working with your... The, the presumed self is working with the presumed self, or the presumed self is working with a presumed separative mind. And so it, it's a little... It's quite intimate. <laughs> the word skill doesn't, I think, show the intimacy. Kusala, we're talking about that word. Kusala. And so anyway, that, that I wouldn't say skill, but I would just say basically helpful. But, the, but, but it takes time 
to develop a taste for the helpful and a distaste for the harmful. To, to remember a certain point when I made a transition from pointing my finger at people when I'm speaking to pointing my finger away from them when I'm speaking. When I would naturally point my finger, uh, you know, somebody says, where are you going? Or I'm going over there. Or, or who, who? Who are you talking about? I just point to that one. Or uh, I normally don't use my finger pointing when I'm talking to someone. <clears throat> but almost never, really. But somehow I noticed I was. And then I noticed that I was pointing my finger in their face. I'm not like in their face, but I'm, you know, three feet away pointing my finger at their face. And then I realized that that was an intrinsically aggressive move. And I don't want somebody's finger pointing in my face like a gun. And I don't want to be pointing my finger in somebody's face even three feet away either. So then I deliberately move my finger to point away. <laughs> this is do no harm. This is ahimsa. Now, maybe you disagree or not. But in my view, um, I felt there was some intrinsic aggression to pointing my finger towards their face, even if I'm three feet away or ten feet away, because I wouldn't want it. Now, is that skillful? It's skillful not to point your finger in someone's face? In their face doesn't mean nearby. It might be five feet away. But I'm saying in your face, in their, towards their face, towards their head. Is it skillful not to do that? Well, you can say it's skillful not to do that, but it's actually a feel for do no harm. Uh, I think. And that's not a skill. It's not an art. It's a feel for what's of um, of love wisdom, of do no harm, of, of ahimsa, and of um, panya, of wisdom, of ahimsa, of panya, of, of buddhi, discernment, right? The, the discerning the better, discerning more carefully. Uh, that That... So, so therefore, the development of all these higher, of, of bodhipakyadama, <clears throat> and yesterday I talked about virya, virya as will, as root power will. Today, again, I'm going to go further in the chapter, of second chapter, second part, book called The Essential Practice, Discourses of Webu Sayadaw, translated by Roger Bischoff. 1995, right, 27 years ago. Uh, the chapter is called Work Without Wavering, and he was a Virya man, or a, a hero of Vira. Mahavira, great hero, was the founder of the Jain school. Vira, coming from Vir, uh, strength, power, seed, root, power, seed, Semen, it was actually originally considered a, a manly man, a strong man, vir. But, but vir must be directed, and to some degree it's directed by chanda, or the directing of power, will, will and power, is uh, more associated with the word chanda, wish or intention, and I'd say that that's the direction of the will, which is vir. The power is vir, and it's directed by chanda, directed by intention, meaning what do you want to do? So it's not chanda directs vir. Oh, you can say <laughs> clear intention is needed. Rod and Ra said it. Bang, boom, bing. Ra got it as always. You know, 
they are uh, living Busa, living Bodhisattva. <clears throat> They're moving out of higher self. They said acceptance of self, uh, forgiveness of self, and direction of the will. This is the way to the disciplined personality, something like that. Disciplined personality is akin to the magical personality, is akin to higher self, is akin, I'd say, to third stage attainment, non-Turner, sixth density, awareness of non-duality or unity. It's not the end, it's not the final non-duality, but it's awareness of unity. Uh, but, But the direction of will is the direction of vir, and the directing is chanda, or the word chanda pertains to, I'd say, that directing, wish or intention, because there's the Dhamma Chanda and there's Raga Chanda. The Chanda intention directing that goes to Dhamma or that goes to Raga. That goes to Kusala Dhamma, development of helpful qualities, or uh, Raga, lust and sensuality, which, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, has some have some value for experience. We're not... Um, uh, we're not, we're not good. We're not perfect students of Webusayadaw. I'm not, and so I don't think any of us are. Which is fine. Okay, we'll take more suffering, <laughs> and go slower. So anyway, <clears throat> there's a section, uh, middle of this second chapter, work without wavering, where I left off last time. Weibo said, during the time of the Buddha, people learned from learned the teachings from the Buddha himself. The Buddha simply taught how to defeat all forms of ignorance. Do you think that all those who listened to his words and then practiced according, accordingly repulsed ignorance? They really refuted all forms of ignorance, and therefore they were victorious, the ones who became Arahan. They attained supreme happiness. Establish yourselves in effort and all your aspirations will be fulfilled. And a couple of points there. So uh, it's it's an important um, reframing of spiritual development and meditation practice and study, studying practice, to go from uh, when I do it, I'm good, when I don't, I'm bad. It's a moral demand. Good people do it, bad people don't. High people do it. Low people don't. When I meditate, I like myself. When I don't, I don't like myself. The more I do it, the more I feel I'm good. And the less I do it, the more I don't like myself. That, that's a moral framing of, uh, of sadhana practice and study and doing the work. Actually, <clears throat> the work is not, it, it ought not to be framed that way. For as long as one puts it in that frame, one won't be really... Uh, able to finish it or to go real far because they're still uh, generating pride and and a sense of right, wrong, right, wrong. It's really about um, how much ignorance and how much happiness you'd like. The more ignorance, avidya, the more dukkha and pain, distress, dismay, dissatisfaction. The less ignorance, the more awareness or love wisdom or kusala dhamma, the more happiness, the less dukkha. That's it. So how much do you want hap- how much happiness do you want? Are you well with your level of mind, your your condition, your your relative condition of well being? <clears throat> are you in well being or unwell being? <laughs> to what degree are you in well being? To what degree are you in unwell being? Well, 
The more study and practice, the more one will move out of unwell being to well being. More dukkha goes to sukkha. The more uh, pain and ignorance goes to happiness and well being. That's it. And if you think of it as I'm good when I do it and I'm bad when I don't, um, you won't, one doesn't, I believe, get to a real, um, to be able to work without wavering as Wei Sayadaw did and shows and teaches. <clears throat> he could work without wavering because he really, really, really wanted supreme happiness. <laughs> he wanted it with chanda and desire. And much vir was in play. He had great access to vir, will and power. His chanda was clear, but he didn't think, I'm a good guy when I do it and I'm bad when I don't. He thought, I'm still in pain. <laughs> I'm full of ignorance. Uh, vidya and dukkha. And I feel it. And it's true. And I'm not well. <clears throat> Even if he was a monk in the early days, or before he had the final breakthroughs, presuming he did, which I think he did. So, before his final breakthroughs, he was able to work without wavering, and follow the flight of an arrow, and go on, push, 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 you know, the weapons for battle, and fulfill his aspirations totally. Not because he thought he was bad not doing so, but because he was... Um, fully honest with himself that he wasn't in the the absolute well-being that he sought. He sought supreme happiness and was honest enough with himself to realize he wasn't in it, and, and nothing would suffice but that supreme happiness. Nothing would take away his pain. And it may not have been a sharp pain, it may have been a mild pain. Dukkha. Distress, dissatisfaction. Dissatisfactoriness. He is very honest. <clears throat> and that's the right basis. And so when we're not practicing strongly, it's because we're, we have some relative well-being, <clears throat> or um, we're fooling ourselves. <laughs> and one can even say, um, resting in a relative well-being is a fooling yourself, <laughs> because it isn't that well. On the other hand, you, if you've had some attainment, or you had some development, there is some well-being. <laughs> yes, if you have some degree of green, blue, indigo, <clears throat> there is some well-being. The question is, is it enough? And generally, it's going to be enough until it's not enough. Or the person will enjoy it till it deteriorates. <laughs> or one will get sick of it. Or one will feel at some point it's not enough. This relative well-being of my relative green, blue, indigo activation. Relative well-being in uh, good and true and beautiful a relative degree of well-being, experience of well-being, in some relative development of green, blue, indigo, with some relative <clears throat> uh, access to an, and regular experience of goodness and truth, honesty, wisdom, and beauty, unity, holism, you know, non-duality, to some degree. Some degree of activation of green, blue, indigo gives a relative degree of real well-being associated with goodness and virtue and uh, serenity and equanimity and wisdom, discernment, knowing, understanding, comprehension and clarity and the capacity to help others and some awareness of uh, all is one, all is God, all is light, <clears throat> source is, is, is true nature. Okay, so 
you know, one can enjoy that. Good, enjoy it. Uh, and, and not think about, I'm well equipped with weapons for battle. Oh yes, I must battle. And, you know, if you think that way, fine. Just don't hurt yourself or anyone. But it, it, this is just the point that it, it became clear to me that I couldn't <clears throat> go, I, I couldn't, I can't, <laughs> uh, get to a certain further development while framing spiritual work in, term, in moralistic self-value terms. I'm good when I do and I'm bad when I don't. That's not uh, a long-term supportive perspective for, for practice and development. And so that's the point. Going on, Webusayara says, you're well equipped with weapons for the battle, aren't you? And the disciple says, yes, sir. And he says, and you will fight, won't you? Your enemies do attack and they attack often and with full force are sloth, torpor, and laziness, friends or foes. What do you do when they come? I think it's been quite some time that you haven't fought a battle. <laughs> the disciple goes, quite some time, sir. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I was in this kind of mind of fighting my mind, in this perspective of fighting the mind. With, my mind was an enemy, very strongly. And uh, uh, while, you know, there was a value to get ahead, you know, you could, when you put your foot on the gas you will max, you know, redlining, uh, full throttle, pedal to the metal, is very helpful to quickly get uh, a certain distance covered. And persisted too long, you will destroy the equipment. Yeah. And it's very likely to have an accident. And it's not a long-term strategy. It's a short-term strategy. Okay. So... Uh, you know, far be it from me to tell anybody anything other than what Weibu Sayadaw guides or advises. But uh, taking the fight, fighting with elements of mind is not going to work for a long term. And I mean, I have a friend who killed himself after living in the monastery because he had this view. Another friend had a nervous breakdown, partly because they were pushing too hard. Right, God Thomas said, not too tight, not too loose. So, this disciple may be too loose, and thus the teaching seems, uh, I think, overly tight. But there's a time for very tight. And and yet, um, to think that why should always be this way, I think, is mistaken. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, sloth, sloth, torpor, laziness, distraction... Um, mania, manic hyperactivity, nervousness, all these bipolar conditions of mind-body associated with excess energy, deficient energy, are harmful or not helpful. They're, they obstruct mindfulness or concentration and mindfulness and obstruct samadhi and obstruct the samadhi basis of developing wisdom or attainment, for sure. And so you gotta, we got to balance out from too much uh, overexcited, overstimulated, to uh, and and depleted, drained, weary. You got to find the balance. Sure, it's just that fighting the battle against elements of mind body uh, is is um, is a special medicine that should not is is not a 
daily is is not long term medicine. <laughs> it's short term medicine. So anyway, uh, he asked the disciple, uh, "Tell me about the weapons you'll have to use." <laughs> and the disciple, you know, <laughs> first the disciple say, answers uh, Weibo's question. I think it's been quite some time that you haven't fought a battle. Quite some time, sir. Okay, so he hasn't been fighting battles or pushing hard in practice. Then we ask him, tell me about the, battle, the weapons you have to use and how you'll fight. <clears throat> and the disciple basically goes to a stock reply and says, we have to fight for one, we have to fight for one hour every day, sir. Uh, now this is like saying we have to meditate one day, sir. We have to, not I do and I love it. We have to. And Weber says, so only one hour a day? And the disciple says, we can't even always manage that much, sir. Yeah, it's hard to sit for an hour if you haven't been sitting for hours. Look here, says Weibo, is this because the weapons are soft or the warriors are soft? And the disciple says, we are soft, sir. And the princes and princesses who want to become rulers, are they soft too? No, sir, they can't be because soft princes are defeated. And Weibo says, but these princes here, meaning you disciples like princes and princesses, are they people with strength and fortitude or are they soft? Vir. Strength and vir, fortitude is vir, but we're soft, sir. <laughs> and sons of daughters. And so this is sort of um, browbeating. <laughs> Weibu's browbeating session. As sons and daughters of the Buddha, do you want to become sovereigns of Nirvana or do you want to remain princes and princesses? We all want to become rulers, sir. And so Weibu says, so, the weapon you have is good. Attack! But only if you hold the weapon properly will the enemy fear you. I don't think you hold the weapon properly. <laughs> so, you know, uh, apply, self-apply at your own risk, <laughs> at your own peril. Uh, you know, user discretion is advised. So, user discretion is advised with advice that says attack the uh, elements of your own mind-body process that are obstructive to, and you know, endless practice. I mean, there's no only one hour. I mean, I had this in my mind also. I had sort of it was sort of an anger-based demand that I would still feel I wasn't good enough and I hadn't done enough after six hours of meditation daily at during a certain period of time. I felt like it was nothing (laughs) because I wasn't fully awakened. And then things changed, but <clears throat> not that I'm fully awakened, but things changed. <laughs> and But in that mind, it was really hell, because no matter how much practice, I never, uh, I used to be very angry at myself for not practicing. Uh, six hours a day is nothing. Eight hours a day, okay. <laughs> One hour is nothing. Uh, six hours is fine, Why, you know, good, but, you know, it's a good start from that perspective. And that's where he's at, and that's where they were at, and yet that's not where I was really at, but I wasn't, I wasn't. Uh, if you, but, but, the people who can do that, they finish the path quickly, <laughs> actually. That's the Arahants came in for that, with Gautama. But you can't get there where um, there's a low self, there's a sort of deep self-doubt basis of a sort of lingering low cell value 
that frames practice as some kind of um, moral worth uh, conference. I confer I'm of moral worth when I practice, and I'm not when I don't. That that will not allow um, the amount of practice needed to make breakthrough, unless uh, there's a lot of basis for it. So anyway, he's talking about weapons and attack. Hold your weapon properly. And and you see, the disciple says, "Out of compassion, give us a powerful weapon, sir." We do attack, but our way of attack is weak. So this is the disciple who's asking, who's to some degree saying what he knows the teacher wants him to say, uh, admits honestly that he um, is not an ardent seeker with with a very strong will deployed and intent, one single focus chanda or intention. But then he keeps asking, out of compassion, give us powerful weapon. Hey man, (laughs) you've been getting teachings on and on and on. What do you want? He's given you the teaching. <laughs> Give us a powerful weapon. How many more? You... <laughs> this is, uh, you know, in, in some teachers would just whack him when he says that. How many, how many teachings have I given you? How many times have you been listening? You want more? <laughs> some people ask me, rarely, sometimes somebody will say, hey man, you're going to write another book? Uh, no. Uh, have you fully understood everything I've written in those three books? Huh? So, you know, get the, get out of here. So, meaning, uh, don't ask for more unless you know you fully digested, integrated, assimilated, and make, making active use of what you've already received. People want more and more and more. The wanting more is a way of avoiding the fact that they don't that they're avoiding, <laughs> that they don't want more. They ask for more because they want to do less. They don't want to admit that they're doing less, so they're asking for more. Yay! I ask you for more because I don't want to admit that I'm doing less. Mm-hmm. That's cute. So, out of compassion, give us a powerful weapon, sir. Oh, meaning what? He hasn't gotten enough teachings yet. This is not how people who are ready to break through talk. They basically, I mean, like I was in the monastery and I knew that the teacher could do nothing for me. I knew that all my talking and questions were garbage, meaning I knew that I was in pain or I was not in pain. That's it. I've done enough practice to vanquish the pain and confusion or not. That's it. There's dukkha and there's a vidya, or not. And for as long as I felt dukkha and avidya, asking questions is futile, getting answers is futile. The only thing that would, would work is breakthrough. Some breakthrough, some kind of thing. So that's where I was at, and um, I wasn't asking for, I wasn't asking questions. It was futile, I was very painful position to know that asking questions is futile and all the answers are futile because there's either, that because there's still <laughs> dukkha and uh, avidya, strong dukkha avidya now in this mind. And, and, and the only way to break it is, is more practice. That's it. Back into the fire. <laughs> Back into the fire because there's no, pain, there's no real respite uh, otherwise, otherwise, other than in the fire of 
sitting through sitting through uh, dukkha, sitting through dukkha, avidya, and distress, sitting through the dark night of the soul, sitting through, you know, the death of the karmic, you know, the karmic material of deep pain of body-mind. That's it. So that was a very painful position to know that there's no way out but sitting, sitting indefinitely until it finally broke. That's it. So Weibo says, I can only give you the weapon. He's given a thousand times. The weapon doesn't do anything. Only if you take the weapon and make use of it can you win. No weapon is weak. And you don't have just one. You have a whole store of weapons. If I were to enumerate them, it'd become a long list. And the disciple says, Sir, we fail because we have so many weapons. And <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> and Weibo says, No. It's because you don't fight. Right. <laughs> and yet, the fighting is sitting. The fighting is uh, is sati, non-grasping attentiveness. The, the fighting is sit and shut up and keep watching, keep attention on the spot, keep attention on the breath coming, going. Stay there and, and don't keep following your monkey mind. Sit through the pain of the monkey mind. Sit through your pain of your, of your life. Sit through the pain of who you are or who you think you are or who the mind, what a mind seems to be, sit through the pain and keep attentive. Stay with sati despite all the pain. That's it. That's the fight. And, and you either are ready for that or you're not. And when you're in a lot of dukkha, it's easier than when you're not. Or when you love, when you, when you really either love the guru or love um, some happiness that you've tasted and you want more. And you're really not interested in anything else anyway. So the more we're interested in worldly things, the less we can do one-pointed practice. Um, but there's nothing wrong with wanting worldly things, right? That's just where one's at at that time. right? Experience all things desired, said Ra, so that's a different approach. I think that experiencing all things desired is right when one wants to do so. <laughs> if you're tired of experiencing all things desired, then you're more ready for long sitting, uh, sitting mindfulness, uh, breaking through dukkha and avidya. And it's not based in screaming dukkha, it's based on tasted sukha or a longing for greater freedom and a taste having had, having had tasted it. So, but, but this kind of, you know his teaching is is fine, but it just doesn't. It, it you can't motivate people actually to sit through hell. <laughs> they have to want to sit through hell. The hell of your mind, the hell of the pain of your mind, the hell of the dukkha of your mind. It's a relative hell. It's not a final hell. It's not a final condition. It's all illusory anyway. It's all a nichanarata, but it's pretty damn vivid and painful when one's sitting through it. And, and he said, okay, you have to fight. Don't you understand? Do you want to become sovereign kings? Do you want to stay princes and princesses? We try hard, sir, but we never succeed. It's just that he doesn't stay with it. I wouldn't say he doesn't fight. If you think about practice as fighting, you will have a problem. But fine, that's his approach here. I mean, I did fighting, and I ended up wounding, damaging the mechanism. <laughs> So, 
it, it's a little not quite right for everybody. But you see, he's teaching this guy. He's not teaching everybody. And so not every teaching to every person is right for each person. Or all teaching is very much uh, specific. Or even general teaching has to be tailored. So anyway, uh, Webu Sayadaw replies, Yes, yes, the weapon's fine. You don't understand because you don't fight. You're talking like most. You meditate, you put forth effort, but in spite of that, you sound as if there was no effort. There's so much energy in you, but you don't use it, right? So the, star, the, the, the reservoir of vir is great for everyone. You do have energy. I wonder what word he used there. If you put all your stock of energy to use, you'll assuredly become sons and daughters of the Buddha, kings by attaining Nibbana. Absolutely, we all have the potential. The power is available. Don't ever forget that. And that's knowing that is even more painful because then you know when you don't use it, you're you you're not doing you're not using what you have. He goes on, sons and daughters of the Buddha have the ability to accept instructions, make effort, and follow the teachings of the Buddha. All who practice the teachings, be they human, devas or brahmas, can fulfill their different aspirations for nibbana. Uh, have you ever been able to keep your mind focused for a full day? No, says the disciple. Uh, have you ever, having established yourselves in complete effort, fulfilled one single day in practice? No, sir, we haven't. Why? You don't have the energy required? Yes, sir, he said. You don't You and, and Weibu clarifies this, you don't use the energy that you have in the right place. <clears throat> so it's not that we don't have energy and capacity. We have the capacity. We just don't make use of it. Why? Well, again, there are countless potentials. Um, we're, we're running away from pain, basically. Or we don't want it, and we don't want it enough. Or we're okay where we are, with some relative uh, sukha dukkha. Okay. So, so there's a lot of back and forth. He says... Uh, you wasted for no purpose. Are you still going to shows and entertainments? <laughs> and the disciple says, yes, sir. We watched the Pue, uh, which is some kind of uh, Burmese theater, Burmese uh, kind of uh, folk theater. We watched the Pue all night until dawn without sleeping. <laughs> How many nights do you do this? Two or three nights. How many shows have you seen? I can't remember, sir. So Weibu <laughs> says, you see, there you have plenty of energy. Day and night. There your effort is strong. And And... You know, again, I can't say that this is the right, this, this teaching should be done by everyone. That's the should, the, the moralist dilemma. Moralist framing of spiritual path is a big problem. You should do what he says. I shouldn't disagree with him. <laughs> You're bad if you disagree with the great man. He's a great man. He's an arahant. I'm wrong. I shouldn't disagree. You should practice. <laughs> you should criticize the one who disagrees. <laughs> so if you actually you shouldn't criticize, you should be practicing. <laughs> if the people you know who spend time criticizing spend time practicing, they would realize criticizing is a total waste of time, and they're just tangling themselves up mentally. So <clears throat> he's asking about uposatta, the um, 
observances, uh, monthly observances of um, Panchashila or eight and uh, greater practice. Have you fulfilled them? And um, <clears throat> what was So you have the will. You do have the will to work, to go to work. Uh, but you usually don't use it for this noble purpose, meaning practice, but rather to watch Pui. If you die while watching Pui, well, where will you go to the lower world, sir? Do you want that? No, sir. Uh, I'm not sure about that. You see, there's, again, the very common teaching of Buddhism in the countryside, or still in many places in Asia, is uh, don't do this or you'll go to hell. Uh, or you die, what, watching theater, you go to hell? Why? Because your mind is in hell already? Really? <laughs> what if What if it's a scene of love and, and um, fidelity and um, true, loyal um, self-offering to the beloved or the family or the clan or something? Huh? Then you go to hell because you're watching that? Really? So, you know... <laughs> Mm. Um, this is a strange planet. <laughs> and so, I mean, I heard Shen Hua, Master Hua, highly attained Chinese Buddhist, say directly in maybe Vajra Bodhisi, a Dharma document, a Vajrayana. This is, it, it's so strange that he even called it Vajra Bodhisi. It's the name of their magazine from the uh, City of 10,000 Buddhas. Very ascetic, Chinese Mahayana. A mixture of Chan and Pure Land. Very serious fellow. <laughs> Say something like, uh, women who do adultery after death will be cut into a thousand pieces. Something like that. What? Why? Because that's what he read. <laughs> that That's Surangama Sutta or something, one of the Chinese Mahayana Suttas. Sutras, actually, said so. Something like that. Really? I don't think so. <laughs> so... Yeah, okay. <laughs> so to throw throw it all out, I think, is folly. And to presume everything coming out of teachers' uh, mouths is correct is, is mistaken, too. Maybe he's right and I'm wrong. Every man and woman who does adultery will be cut into a thousand pieces after death. Really? Really? Maybe I'm wrong he didn't say that. Maybe he was just kidding. Maybe he's right and I'm wrong. Who knows? But I don't think so. I think that's just uh, repeated text, uh, standard text writing from 800 years ago or something like that. <clears throat> and so got to be careful. You got to be careful. And you got to figure it out yourself. And it's always been that case. It's just that at this level of, you know, we're really at the end of their density here. But... At, at our own level development, with a much more, um, a, a, a stronger intellectual, mental development than a thousand years ago, or three thousand years ago. While some of these teachings are essential, timeless, and we really ought to learn, some of them don't apply to uh, a mind that's uh, of, of a time 3,000 years in hence, or the scriptures that were written 2,500 years ago. It, this is the very fine, very subtle thing, is that some of what they wrote are universal truths that are ageless wisdom, <laughs> eternal, 
and as relevant today as they were 3,000 years ago. And some of it isn't. <laughs> some of the cosmology is uh, eternal truth of multidimensional reality, and some of it is a mythological add-in. Uh, to think that uh, devas and brahmas are like uh, Hindu princes and princesses cavorting in palaces is silly. But that's how they saw it. Or that's how it was written. Even if they didn't see it. But some people saw it like that or thought it like that. But it isn't. Or maybe it was. They didn't have Astral City 3,000 years ago, you know. It wasn't built then. Uh-huh. So Astral City today is not... was wasn't It wasn't Astral City 3,000 years ago. It was uh, Astral, you know, Tundra. Or Astral Meadow. <laughs> the Astral Meadow was built into Astral City uh, 500 years ago, according to uh, Chico Javier, Francisco Javier, I think, something like that. So that's interesting. So the realms of days, the realm, the, the higher levels of Kamaloka, because Kamaloka really is third density, as far as I can tell. Uh, Rupaloka, Ahrupaloka are above third density. But Kamaloka the uh, realms of kama, desire, associated with uh, not too far from earth or third density, um, are uh, change historically or, or change or modified over the centuries uh, in correlation to human uh, civilizational change. There's the history of the astral plane. As, as to fourth density and up, it's a different because they're much less tied to third density here. But what it looked like, what the teachers were seeing then uh, is not what they would see today. <laughs> it just shows you that not many are seeing today <laughs> what's up there either. Chico Javier may, but uh, most Buddhists don't. Because they um, use old texts and don't realize that certain things change and certain things don't. So principles of mind development don't change. But the, uh, the quality of mind or the, develop, the capacity of mind in the 21st century is absolutely different than the capacities of general of mind in the, in the second century BC or in the uh, 12th century AD. Okay? No doubt. Uh, time with time is the change of the electromagnetic atmosphere of the planet. With that is also the evolution of souls that are reincarnating. And while some people <clears throat> are as primitive-minded today as most people were, uh, you know, in the second century BC, many more are not. And uh, that's where certain teachings need to be adjusted. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Uh, lots of back and forth um, between Weibo and the, and the disciple here. Uh, Weibo Sayadaw, the, the, the student, he's asking about, if your attention is firmly established on the in-breath and out-breath and the point of contact, and so th this is also another point, is the, is the focus properly on the spot at which in-breath, out-breath pass, or on the in-breath, out-breath. Well, they gotta be, that has to be resolved. And eventually one doesn't think that. One doesn't have a, um, a paradox or a question. 
<laughs> initially, it seems like a, it seems there are two things. There's the in breath, out breath, and then there's the point. Uh, in the end, it's closer to the point than the in breath, out breath, because the the object of concentration is not the sensation of breath as it goes into the body. It's the sensation of breath at the point. But the point has no feeling. <laughs> There's no feeling at a point. It's just a point of uh, flesh or skin uh, above the upper lip and the nose or the nostrils where the breath's come and going, where it makes a sensation. It's the point of contact where one directs the attention and anchors it by the sensation of breath in coming and going um, naturally without control. But it's inevitable one mind, the mind follows the breath into the body and we feel, oh, I feel good, I feel bad, it goes deep, it goes shallow. But the key focus is the point of contact, what he said, uh, focused on the in-breath and the out-breath and the point of contact. And that's uh, one of the uh, many um, real um, blessings given by Weibo Sayadaw is the precision of his understanding of the practice. It's the point of contact where uncontrolled in uncontrolled respiration, inhalation, exhalation, makes contact with a point of the nose <laughs> and the sensation is generated. That's the, folk, the object of concentration. Uh, and you just keep it there. Keep attention there and return it back to there when one realizes one's forgotten there. And he said, Webusada said, there's no wanting aversion, you know, if if the attention is firmly established, uh, do we hear other people's conversation? No, sir. What if someone disturbs us loudly? We don't, doesn't disturb us, sir. Right. It may be heard, but not disturbing, and it may not be heard. And Weibu adds, there's no wanting aversion or delusion, right? Grasping aversion, ignorance. If our minds are purged, are thus purged of greed, aversion, ignorance, will there still be loneliness, depression, and laziness? No, sir. At that moment, no, there isn't. Are we still missing company? No, sir. Do we want to know, we still want to know what others are saying? No, sir. If someone comes out and comes and invites us out, are we excited? No, sir. Right. That's the point, is that the longer one holds attention at the point of contact, the spot. The spot is the point of contact. And point of contact is a good way of putting it. The longer, or as one is truly, um, attention is truly anchored there, or focused there, or abiding there. Calm abiding really is the abiding of attention. <laughs> the abiding of attention calmly. The calm abiding of attention. Uh-huh. That's a Tibetan translation of samadhi. Samadhi is cal- a calm abiding. What's abiding is attention. And what's calm is the mind. And the longer that happens, the longer the mind or the, the mind is comfortable with um, non-grasping, non-aversion, non-ignorance. That's the point. The mind is increasingly comfortable with the cessation of sankara, meaning a condition of non-proliferation. Uh, the naming activity stops. 
a stoppage, a temporary cessation of naming activity of Sankara, a temporary cessation of no wanting, no disliking, no judging, no discontent, no ignorance, no doubting, no wondering. So all these many disturbed <laughs> functions or qualities of mental, emotional, personal experience. I want, I don't want, I like, I don't like, I hate, I don't hate, I have, I don't have, I know, I don't know. It is, it, it isn't. <laughs> All of those are ceased temporarily. That's a big deal, a very big deal. And um, But then what's been suppressed comes to consciousness. And, and so we're all very suppressive. <laughs> a suppressive person, as I say. So, <laughs> those who identify the SPs, the suppressive persons, are generally the most suppressive. But um, it's, it, avoidance of emotional pain is natural. And so that's done by defense mechanisms and avoiding um, facing the pain that, that people carry, their wounding. That's why people need healing, because there's wounding, because there's wounding, because they haven't been facing it. We don't. It's common. Who wants pain? So uh, that stuff comes up too, though. But, but it's a very powerful thing that, that this Anapanasati really is. Sati particularly, but his understanding of it is, is supreme. But in terms of fight, 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 I don't know if that's useful. So then he says, um, um, the contrast where if someone comes and invites us out, are we excited? No, sir. This is a, 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 the analogy uh, to what happens with the mental process uh, when attention is uh, stabilized. Uh, physically, a person may come and invite you out come to the party. But if you're really, really well, you probably think, why? <laughs> I'm so well. Who wants to go to that? Likewise, if the mind is really in equanimity, there's no interest in thinking. <laughs> there's no interest in grasping aversion ignorance. There's no interest in proliferation. There's no interest in trying to figure something out or trying to think something through or remembering or imagining the future. Remembering the past, imagining the future getting more clear, answering questions, you know, one's own wonderings, uh, entertaining doubt, uh, feeling pride, of course, is nowhere near happening, uh, wanting, not wanting, disliking, liking, thinking, preferring, all that's just, we're not excited to join in. And so Weibo says, we shall not, we shall not, meaning uh, in the case of steady mindfulness, we shall not or we don't jealously guard, we shall not, he said, we shall not jealously guard what we've got. This, this is about um, possessiveness. Good people are not like that. We share it with those whom we live. This is, he changed the view here. Anyway, he's talking about generosity now um, from, <laughs> if someone comes and invites us out, are we excited? No, sir. No, because we don't need it. Then he says, in terms of possessions, we shall not jealously guard what we've got. Good people are not like that. We share it with those with whom we live. May they also get what I have got. 
Now, what will happen if all established strong effort from sunrise to sunset without a break? This is a long time span from sunrise to sunset. But will you feel it to be long? No, sir. And then, okay. So he's comparing um, the disciples' weak practice to the uh, disciples of the Buddha's strong practice. Okay, so there's back and forth about the Upasatta and um, a lot of threats. <laughs> you will go to the lower realms. And the, this is interesting that the lower one of the lower planes was indicated as the demon world. This is Asuras. Generally, it's actually considered... Uh, it's not the same as hell. Uh, you know, Chico Javier talked about the school of the Avengers, meaning some portion of astral time space, 3D time space, astral plane, given to the negatives. Uh, but we also know from Ra that there's 4 and 5D negative. So, again, you know, there's Buddhist cosmology and there are other traditions of cosmology. If you go to a Buddhist, he's not going to say others are correct. He'll say only why I'm correct, only ours is correct. Or only those that agree with us are correct. Not that many teachers will say there are certain truths that are not in our teaching <laughs> that may be very important and useful. And that's what happens when you're a company man. If you're a company man, you better support the company uh, always. Better not speak against the company. And if you say the company has some deficiencies, uh, you may not have a long future with the company. So likewise, if you sign on to a religion or one of these groups, a Buddhist Hindu even, they generally want the party line. And, um, fine. And so then the only people who know about these things are company men and women who uh, go deeply with teachers, which is great. On the other hand, there is truth outside their tradition, and there are some elements in their tradition that are wrong. Ooh. So, I guess there's some teachings in the raw material that are wrong, but... Um, it would be uh, aspects of teaching that are not from higher levels, meaning there's higher than sixth density. Damn right. Uh, so from uh, the perspective of Gautama uh, and Nityananda and some of the other great masters, there are deficiencies in Ra talking about you know um, reality or talking about anything, but because they haven't finished sixth density. But uh, it, it's, it's of the current time and of the current mind for those that seek deeply uh, to have to be on your own and figure things out for yourself. And taking from multiple traditions is useful because there's truth all over the place. Uh, meanwhile, there's a lot of, there, there are deficiencies all over the place too, <laughs> or mistakes. And so... I think uh, that's a truth to be known. So, okay, it just goes on with this discussion of um, the importance of upasatta and uh, getting out of the lower worlds. And he keeps just hitting the same point of thing about keep your attention on the spot. So then there's a discussion... Uh, about Mahakashapa 
Mahakashapa was um, written here as one of the 880 great disciples of the Buddha, senior most at the time of the Buddha's death. He presided over the first council held three months after the Buddha passed away, Mahakashapa. Uh, and Weibo gives a story. He said he met the Buddha and then practiced what the Buddha taught in order to escape from suffering. There are four bodily postures, sitting, standing, walking, and lying down, all of which are fine for meditation or mindfulness. Which of these is prone to let in the enemy? Sloth and laziness come in while lying down. They come to stay, don't they? If we indulge in laziness and sloth, will we be able to develop in morality, concentration, and wisdom? This is Srila Samadhi Prajna. No, sir, we won't. And he said, laziness and torpor are our enemies. Therefore, Mahakashapa rejected the one posture in which the enemy attacks and adopted the other three postures in which the enemy can't remain for long, meaning he didn't sleep. And then he explains, there are 13 ascetic practices called Dutanga or Tudang. 13 ascetic practices and Mahakashapa practiced all 13. Only those among the disciples of the Buddha with the strongest determination practiced the sitter's practice, meaning didn't lie down for 24 hours a day. If one takes up the sitter's practice and makes strong determination not to sleep, this sloth and laziness can't overpower him. Though these noble disciples of the Buddha neither lay down nor slept, they lived long and were very healthy. And that's true. Meanwhile, again, <laughs> I know a guy who killed himself and another guy had a nervous breakdown, pushing their practice too hard. And Gautama directly said, not too tight, not too loose. So how do you put that together? Well, I would say Gautama takes precedence, not too tight, not too loose. And so some people, it used to be, not today, it's a whole other point, but in my day, in the early 80s, um, there were people who pushed so hard, uh, real hard. Not so many, but there were some. Today there probably are some too, but the community of those who don't seems bigger. Uh, you just can't apply somebody else's teaching. <laughs> you have to be careful. But these are uh, great practices for those that are ready, for sure. Uh, to it's like very bitter medicine. You don't you don't make a diet of um, extremely powerful medicine, whatever that means. You don't you don't make a diet of it. <laughs> it doesn't become a staple diet food. It's used sparingly, uh, temporarily, carefully, only after certainty that it's uh, going to help. So then, other discussions about full effort. If you practice without sleeping, you're establishing full effort and always keeping your attention firmly fixed on the object day and night. If you practice in this way, your morality, concentration, and control over the mind, Srila Samadhi and Prajnayana went, and your insight and wisdom will become stronger and stronger. They'll develop from moment to moment. Actually, if you practice... In, with any strong intention or clear intention and strong will, uh, all the positive qualities do compound by the law of squares, moment by moment. That's why 
an hour of sitting, an hour of meditation is very different than sitting 10 minutes. And certain things only happen after 40 or 50 minutes that wouldn't happen after 25 minutes. This kind of thing. He goes on. If you watch at, uh, at show a show all night, you'll feel tired in the morning. But if you practice the teachings of the Buddha all night, you'll experience happiness and joy without end, and you'll not feel sleepy. But that's not the case, actually, today. For people who have psychological... For us, where we're more psychologically complicated. You see, this is the point. The modern mind is more psychologically uh, complex or complex than the early mind of disciples and students for whom such teachings were originally given and devised. The, these teachings are good for simple-minded people. We are more complicated or neurotic. Western people are neurotic. In fact, Eastern people are pretty neurotic too. The mind in the 21st century is not the mind in the 12th century or the 2nd century BC. It is not. And these teachings are basically like, just do it. Do it. Shut up. Do it. And don't be an asshole. Do it. You want to be great? Do it. It just doesn't work for a more psychologically complex mind. And Ra talked about this too, as usual. That the mind of the people today is significantly different and they really said that it's very interesting and this is where I'll end and we can you can ponder it uh, that something like the mind of the moderns us modern folk is uh, less distorted but more complex so we've got distortion and complexity so the moderns mind is uh, less distorted and more complex while the earlier mind was more distorted and less complex Right. Complexity is many much a, qual- a, a quality, a, a feature of um, quantity and, nat- and organization, the nature of the organization. The organization of um, thought, let's just say the quantity of thought and its organization, is associated with complexity. And the light of mind is, a, is, a, is the nature of dis- distortion. The structure, the field of mind itself, there's structure and function. <laughs> there's field and content. The field of mind is a, is a matter of distortion, less or more. The content and its organization is a matter of um, complexity. So less are the ancients for whom many of the guidance uh, teachings were given or devised. More distorted, less complex. They're more distorted, they're more like an animal. <laughs> the mind is darker, dimmer. There's less going on in that mind, but less complex. Meaning um, they could get the truth when they... There was less interrupt interference uh, in apprehension of the truth. When they got it, they got it. Because there was less static in the mind. <laughs> But it was a dimmer mind. But when they got it, they got it. Likewise, or, or in contrast, today, us moderns, more complex, less distorted, means the mind is stronger. The capacity to apprehend is stronger. The light is greater. It's a brighter field of mind. The sky is... A, a, there's more prana in the sky of mind. In the chittakash 
the, the chitta kash um, has more prana, is more pranically charged. But there's a whole lot more shit in the sky or smog. <laughs> they had less smog, but a dimmer sky. We have a brighter sky, but more smog. And then more than smog, <laughs> more gallons <laughs> or fibers in the sky of mind, meaning more junk, more complexity, more wounding, more neurosis, more complexity, yang, 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 in the, in the field of mind than the ancients. And so the teaching for the ancients was, you know, shut up, just do it. <laughs> or wake up, dummy, and don't be an idiot. Or you want to be great, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, and different kinds of teachings were more rough, actually. And that worked because they were less sensitive. The mind was more distorted or dimmer, less bright. Today, people are more sensitive um, and more easily wounded and more neurotic and more emotionally wounded, and yet the, the mind is also uh, stronger, in a sense. It's a, there's more uh, pranic charge to the chittakash. So, okay, get it? Good. Get it, got it, good. So that's it for today, 109.09. I hope it was useful. Next time we'll start towards the end of this chapter and conclude it. Take good care of yourself. See you next time, and good night.